You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. But what God is saying is, my plan is a better option for you than your plan. So you do my plan, and I'll take care of you. If God needed your money, you would have more money right right now. But God's not saying your money is what I'm interested in at this time. God's saying what I'm interested in is your obedience Mm -hmm. and your trust. Mm -hmm. So you give whatever you're supposed to give now. I'll take care of the rest. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I am Taylor. We are continuing our series, God With Us, as we count down the days to Christmas. And I'm joined by two special guests and friends. First, we're joined by Lee Pastor Jose Abaroa. Jose, good thanks morning, for being Taylor. here. Good to be here. Good morning. It's good to have you. And we are joined by the Sunday speaker, a very special guest, Mary Dunn. Mary Dunn, thanks Thank for being here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. All right. Well, normally I ask Jose because he's the one giving the message, but we'd love to hear your thoughts as you entered into and prepared for the message on Sunday. So what were some of the behind the scenes thoughts about maybe some how you landed on the points that you landed on or kind of what was some of the things God taught you in the preparation leading up to the actual message itself? Oh, gosh. Well, uh, um, so can I tell them that that story? Okay. So that little story that I told about saying, hey, I was you know, asked to be in service to the Lord and ended up saying no because my calendar, it didn't work for my calendar. Um, That was me getting all, you know, wrapped around the axle because I didn't think that there was enough time for me to do it. And that um, person was Jose. (laughs) And so when he called me back and said, hey, can I, you know, poke on this, you know, calendar thing? Um... So I told this to your wife, Jose, um, because I saw her Sunday night. I said, you know, okay, I'm just going to tell you that when he said that, my first thought was, you can try. (laughs) (laughs) And then after I realized that wasn't going to work very well, I thought, okay, um, if if he pokes on this, there's nothing under it. Hmm. And I really don't have a plan B because what I learned to answer your question, um, Taylor, was that The Lord taught me right in the beginning. He said, you're stepping away from this because you're worried about your part. Mm -hmm. And your questions are, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough whatever. And he's saying, this is my message. Mm -hmm. And if you allow me, I'll do my part, which really is the heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. And what I'm asking you to do is just the in-between. So that was um, effective and convicting right up front. That's so good. That's so good. We're going to jump into that message itself in just a second, but we're in the series and a lot of what we've been looking at so far in the last two weeks has just been finding significance in the insignificant parts of the Christmas story as we count down to Christmas. And I thought, Mary, you did a great job and a great mm-hmm. message. Yes, you did. And it could be given, a lot of those truths could be told at any point in the year, but I'd love to hear both of y'all's thoughts on why is it so important to talk about this during this season as far as in the Christmas season and why is it important for us to not miss a significant piece 
pieces that God is doing around us at this moment in time. Just thinking about what you just shared, Mary, that, you know, your first phone call or your first response to me was, hey, I have a busy, I have a busy season, which there was some confusion there too, right? Because it, I, I thought you were talking about a different week yeah. first. And and so then recognizing that, um, you know, th- there was there was time and, and you so graciously allowed me to poke and, <laughs> and then brought it to God, which was the most important um, part of that. We, we can miss, we can miss what God wants us to be doing in this season if we're distracted by even good things like family, people coming into town, like the traditions. Um, mm-hmm. there, are, there are so many things. Consumerism, it really consumes this season for, for our culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do I have? What do I want? Um, what, what should I get, get for so-and-so? And, and so those things are prevalent. And if we allow ourselves to go with the flow, then we really will miss out on all that God is speaking to us. And again, the significance of how Luke starts the gospel is just amazing because he hits all of these tones of, um, you know, what you talked about on Sunday, a peasant teenager, Mary, versus, you know, the priest priest with Mm -hmm. wisdom and education and Zachariah and uh, how God really does exalt the the humble. Mm-hmm. And, and he opposes the proud. We know that that's a principle in, in scripture. And uh, so that that is what's, you know, that's what sticks out to me. Mm-hmm. And well, what I mentioned earlier too was that <clears throat> um, I think Satan gets, um, gets in the game by taking our thoughts, our thoughts like, well, I really don't have enough time to do this or I really need more time to do this, um, and and manipulates those and brings in fear and doubt. Mm-hmm. And his, his goal for people like us, people who know Jesus and have accepted Jesus, he knows he cannot take away our salvation, but what he can do is make us miserable yeah. by manipulating our thoughts and turning them into things like, I can't. Mm-hmm. I don't have enough of. Mm-hmm. I'm not enough of. And so um, he renders us... Um, ineffective. Yes, ineffective. Okay, Paul yeah. Dunn's word is ringing in my ear, so thank you for helping me with that. He renders us ineffective by um, manipulating those thoughts. And one, one thing I want to mention is um, after I watched it again last night, I thought, you know, our first thoughts are not always controllable, right? We have a first thought and all of a sudden we go, wow. But we do have control over the thought after that. So Mm -hmm. if our first thought is I can't, our second thought needs to be, I'm going to take a step back Mm -hmm. and see who else can speak into this thought. Yeah, that's so good. And Mary, who we looked at in Luke 1, modeled this so well. And Mary, you had four kind of key points that you pulled out. We're going to talk about location, position, questions, and responses. And just that very thing, comparing our view versus God's view and our flesh, maybe our initial reaction to God's way. And so I'd love for us to start by just looking at location. And Mary, you did a great job just explaining the significance of Jerusalem compared to the insignificance of Nazareth, something 
that at least for me, I gloss over that small detail every time when I listen to the Christmas story, but for you to really camp out there and really show us that our location doesn't change God's plan. I love the question you had here, which is saying, am I willing to surrender my perspective of my location to God's plan? I'd love for you to expound on that question, maybe for someone that's trying to wrestle with that answer, maybe as they ask themselves that question, how have you seen the significance of someone's location just impact how they are in the game as far as answering God's call on their life? And and what are ways that as believers, we can continue to surrender our location despite where God has us? Well, um, I have two personal experiences with that. Neither one of them um, shine me in a good light. <laughs> so uh, like I said, I'm an expert in doing the wrong things first, um, and then God ministers to me in this way. So um, I told the story about how Paul and I live part-time in Whitefish, Montana. And um, uh, initially, we thought we would be there for one year. And that's what we thought God said. Well, eight years later, we came back. But in the meantime, during that first year, I said, well, I'm only here for a year, so I'm not going to get involved. Why get involved for a year? And um, I have to tell you how lonely hmm. I was and how homesick I was for that year. And it it broke my heart um, that I let an entire year go by without getting involved in anything. And when that second year rolled up and Paul said, you know, this thing that he was doing, he was um, uh, being a consultant for some real estate stuff up there. He said, it's going to be at least another year. I mean, I threw up my hands and I said, you know what? I, I cannot do nothing. And so like within 24 hours, I had interviewed at the animal shelter and I had interviewed at the Pregnancy Resource Center and I had gotten hired as a volunteer in both places. So I came home for dinner that night and I said, I start tomorrow at the animal shelter and on Thursdays, I'm gonna be working at the Pregnancy Resource Center. And Paul Dunn looked at me and goes, okay, listen, that's fine, as long as you don't bring home any dogs or any babies. Yeah, there's a condition to this. <laughs> yeah. So, so I held back. And then when we initially moved to Wimberley, it really wasn't my idea. And it's like, we moved to Wimberley, and God pulled the bag off my head, and I went, do what? You know, because I had my a big world filled with yeah. big volunteer stuff where we lived before, and for the first year in Wimberley, y'all, this, it, it just makes me sad to even say it, but I was so, I couldn't find my footing. I mean, I was going back to the Woodlands to get my teeth clean because I was like, you know, yeah. then I can do something else while I'm there, you know, get my bangs in, but I'm driving three and a half hours, you know. And finally, somebody said, Mary, you know, you need to look around, you need to get involved here. What have you done before? And all of a sudden, when I had to say, well, I volunteered at a pregnancy resource center, they're like, you know, they point to San Marcos. And so, you know, God, like I said, you know, he, he gave us an individual fingerprint and I saw this somewhere, so I don't want to take credit for it, but it said, God gives us an individual fingerprint because he intends for us to have an individual impact mm. in our location. Mm. And that convicts me. Yeah. And so I don't care how big, how small. I love how you said yesterday that God made an investment 
in Nazareth. Oh, I thought you were going to say in Dumas. <laughs> well, you may know that was your investment in Dumas. <laughs> and, and you spun that well by saying God God chose to invest in Nazareth. I'm convicted this of this often because I do love living in Wimberley, but then I drive to New Mexico, for example, and I drive through the Dumases of Texas and New Mexico. There's a lot of them. And I think, man, I, I would not want to live here. And yet that's where God is working. If there is a local church that confesses Jesus as their Lord and Savior, the kingdom of God is being furthered in that place. That's right. And, and so that's God cho- uh, showing us how big he is and, and yet maybe how small he works. He works mm-hmm. through small groups the of people all make, over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's in right. his hand. I think yeah. that is one of the points is that anything that we in our fallen human vision and all of our senses are fallen since the fall. So in our fallen human vision, anything that we see as insignificant placed in the hands of Almighty God becomes mm-hmm. significant. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so good. That's a good word to Mary for anybody that may be listening to this and is trying to get plugged in. It's it's worth it. More, more than anything, it will bless you, but you're also needed. You know, mm-hmm. I love what you said about the fingerprint. We're, we're all able to play a part of what God is doing. We all play uh, mm-hmm. a specific piece that when one missing, it's not it's not complete That's right. according to God's plan. That's right. And uh, you also did a wonderful job saying we can say no to God. <laughs> he gives us the freedom mm-hmm. to, to say no and to not be a part of his plan. Sideline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But we're, we're the, the ones who... Um, we're the ones who suffer there yeah. because we don't have the fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sitting on the bench, it was not ever part of his plan. Yeah. Yeah. Let's I, t- oh, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say, you know, I think some people say, well, that's easy for Mary to say, or that's easy for Jose to say, or that's easy for a somebody to say who is an extrovert, who knows a lot of people, who's willing to take these kind of chances of meeting somebody or going to something. And we have a lot of folks that are on the introvert you know, spectrum, and they say, well, how do I get involved? Or, you know, I, I don't want to be out in front. I think of what this church does in terms of packing lunches you know, uh, for kids and for other things that we do. We are we are so blessed. It's, you know, listen, whether you're behind the scenes or in front of the scenes, your position is not graded on or valued greater or less than because where your position is. That's right. In front of the mic or behind the mic, in front of the camera, behind the camera. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just not. I love how you even defined position, not just maybe by the role or the title, but even just our, whether it's our tax bracket, our income, our social media following. I mean, there's, I love how you expanded that definition because I think there's a lot of people that think, oh, well, that's, that's for the famous people or for the pastors that are on staff mm-hmm. or, you know, like, and, and letting that be an excuse. Cause I think that's one of the common things we're talking about here is the excuses that take us out of the field and just onto the sidelines, I think is, is so key. Yeah, Mary had no resume. She she was, I mean, <laughs> yeah. really, yeah. A, a teenager from a peasant background in this no education, <laughs> yeah, unsuccessful city of Nazareth. So <laughs> yeah, and yet Absolutely. the most significant moment in human history, right? It's amazing. And her only qualification was it. She just said okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She yeah. said okay, and um, yeah. 
How, how do you? How would you encourage people that are maybe believing one of these lies? That uh, I, I, we were talking about this in my community group last night. Just this idea that if as soon as I have a million dollars, then then I'll give to God, or as soon as I get this dream job, then I'll like I feel like there's so many, and I do this personally sometimes where I put these conditions where I'll let God use me once. I get my thing first. And I never want to say that out loud, but that's ultimately going through my head is like, so how, how do you continue to make God's mission and God's will for your life first and then following him and kind of surrendering all of that? Because I think for me, I like to sometimes hedge the two. And so I can do some of God's work, but also try to do my work or, or kind of balance the two together. So how have y'all two been able just to kind of continue to put God's will first and, and fight that maybe temptation or that pride or selfishness that creeps in sometimes. We have to start small. You have to take the next step, whatever that is. Maybe it's coming to church every Sunday. There's a family in our community group who uh, made that decision last year. We're gonna go to church every Sunday. They made that commitment. They started coming to church. The freeze happened in 2021. And then they got plugged into our community group through the Married People series. And they started coming to community group. And now they're about to celebrate the birth of their baby. And we're all praying for them. We're all cheering them on. And that's something that they did not have before. But you, you, you can't, you know, what you want is maybe let's say community. You want somebody to celebrate you. You want somebody to pray with you. That that does take time for you to op- for us to open up and then for for that to form in God's way. But that next step for them, for example, was let's show up to church every single Sunday. Not to hear me speak, <laughs> uh, but but to be a part of what God's doing, which does include the word and it includes fellowship and it includes breaking of the bread. And, and so that's God's order for us. So when we trust him and we start obeying him in little ways, mm-hmm. then in due time, yeah, before you know it, you're, you're all in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I appreciate what you said, Tedder, because um, I've done that too. It's like, okay, when this happens, then this is going to happen, right? So, um, but because I'm the oldest person by a long shot in this room. <laughs> I have space to say this. Okay, so um, I, will sh- I will show it to you from a giving standpoint, right? So when Paul and I first started tithing, it was like, what? You know, because it was new to us. And we thought, that is a lot of money. Yeah. And, you know, there's no way we can do without that money because we've never done without that yeah. money before. And, you know, Paul took a very, Paul Dunn took a very uh, strong position on that. He goes, no, we're going to. Mm. And I thought, this is not going to go well. Mm. Um because I thought, well, once we get to this level of income, that's when the giving starts, right? And so, but Paul didn't wait for that. And he said, no, we're going to give now. And we'll just see what God does. Because I think what we think is, well, if I wait till that, then we think we have a bigger role. See, what we're really saying is when I get to this level of like, income or savings or investment or tax bracket, then then I'll let God do His work. But what God is saying is, okay, so here's how it works. My plan is a better option for you than your plan. So you do my plan and I'll take care of you. You know, it's like if God needed your money, you would have more money right right now. But God's not saying your money is what's interested 
what I'm interested in at this time. God's saying, what I'm interested in is your obedience and your trust. Mm -hmm. So you give whatever you're supposed to give now. I'll take care of the rest. And so that was one of the struggles that we kind of went through. And so, and and it goes like this. I mean, there's peaks and valleys, right? Because when you're employed, it's easier to give. Right. When you're unemployed, (laughs) (laughs) then you have to, God doesn't say, by the way, when you're unemployed, you're good. You don't have to tithe anymore. Hmm. He doesn't say that. I mean, it's tithing, first fruits of whatever it is. And so it then you see God's miracles. Hmm. I mean, Taylor, that's what I'd say to you. I'd say, you know, when we hesitate, yeah. we don't get we don't give God the opportunity to present a miracle. I love how woven through that, just even that example right there, there was some questioning that were happening. Like, I don't know if it's going to go, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how it's going to work. And I think I love how in the message you left room in the way that Mary and even biblically, we see that there's room for questions, that there's room for us to be vulnerable and honest with God. I think about Psalms many times and just David being very real and asking his questions before the Lord, asking where he is or or kind of just that, 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 that overflow Low. What is the biggest difference, though, between a question that builds faith and a question mm. that doesn't? Because I really like the, the the comparison that we had here between just even Mary's question and Zachariah's question, as far as just that faith piece there. So, how how do you what do you think is the biggest difference there, and how can we continue to ask faith building questions? And maybe where are some examples in y'all's lives where you've had some faith building questions you've seen God answer? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Um, Mary's question is is saying, "Hey, how can this be?" You know, more so, she was interested in how 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 is this going to happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and and then at the end, we see her heart, her humble heart. She said, "Man, what a what a your favor is on me, amazing! Thank you, thank you, God. I don't have the verse here in front of me, but um, I think that allowing what we just talked about obedience to be the driver in our hearts that that's what will build good questions that will build up our faith. Um, so if, if we come from a place of faith and trust and saying, God, this is not about me, it's about you, then let's ask all the questions that we that mm-hmm. we can. But mm-hmm. we're trusting that his way is best. If the, the question is a trust question, can I really trust you, God? Do you really mean what you what you say here? I think I'm going to go another way. You know, I I think it, it's it's the motive of the heart. You talked mm-hmm, about the difference mm-hmm. between Zachariah mm-hmm. and and Mary, mm-hmm. which reminded me of talking to a 13 year old guy about Jesus, saying when we hate our brother, it's like committing murder. And his eyes were all big, and he said, "I'm guilty of murder." That convicted me because I didn't feel like I've been guilty of murder when when mm-hmm. I've uh, withheld bitterness and you know unforgiveness mm-hmm. and and so Mary so naively and so innocently just so, asked the question mm-hmm. and she, she she was all in and and I think that's the type of faith that um, we need in order to build and ask mm-hmm. these questions mm-hmm. and I you know Zachariah's question how can I be sure of this. Um, and then Gabriel's response. One of the things that um, I think is really important when we're looking at Scripture, <clears throat> and this, by the way, came to me after I did the message, so this wasn't, you know, we I learn stuff every mm-hmm. every time I speak. And, and, you know, I think everybody that mm-hmm. is up there on the platform, I think we learn 
after, you know, because of our studying. But um, you have to look at the context. I mean, Zacharias stated the question, and we could put whatever tone we want to on it, but if you look at the scripture verse after he said that question, you see what kind of question it was. He got a very negative response from God's will through Gabriel. So we don't have to guess at God's responses or how he feels about something. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, um, in comparison, we see Mary's question and how Gabriel responded to it. And so I think context uh, is very important. And, And also that... As I mentioned, you know, Zechariah didn't have the right question. It wasn't a humble question, uh, but it didn't deter God's plan. I mean, it didn't it didn't deter his promise. He he and David said some of this in the Psalms too. I mean, David was pretty, mm-hmm. you know, and he wasn't always in from a humble state, but God accepts those yeah. and and he knows that we're fallen and he knows that we're broken and he knows that we don't understand. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I'm looking at the verse here in verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Right before then, it says, for nothing will be impossible with God. And and so Gabriel is saying, nothing will be impossible with God. And and Mary's saying, okay, let it be. Let it be. There's faith there. There's trust there. And I think that's what, what makes the difference between a faith, a question of faith and a question of doubt. Well, and I think just to close up here, we're talking about her response and how our response really does reflect our heart as far as the way we respond to the promptings, the way we respond uh, to God's uh, requests and and just will for our lives. And to y'all's point, I think I just see Mary's posture of humility and she's, you know, instead of the spectrum of, of course, God's going to use me because I'm amazing. She's over here in awe thinking like, how did God choose me? And and yet surrendering to that. How have y'all, as we close, just how have y'all continued to put your own pride and your own ego in check when it comes to maybe just continue to have that posture of humility because I know both of y'all, God uses you both in many ways, just in not only in the church, but just in those around you. So how do you continue to stay humble in that in that posture towards God and even that posture to other people as you do the will of God in your life? Well, I think um, I'd never seen uh, the Magnificat broken down as I talked about it. I had read up on that and looked at different things. So the the present, her praise for the present, her praise for future forward, and then her praise for um, reaching back. And I, I that's where I got mine. I can reach back and say, where was I 10 years ago, 20 years ago? Where was I before he used me like this? And um, it it will keep you humble. Mm. And how much how many mistakes, you know, that I have made that God says, you know what, I'm going to let you learn from that, and we're going to move forward. Yeah. You know, we're not going to, you know, like Paul says, you know, forgetting what is behind. Yeah, I'm you know, I need to uh-huh. I need to move on. And so, I I like to think in terms of, I do it. A, you know, my my praise mind is really I start from the back. Mm. You know, I reach back Mm. because that reminds me. And then once I see what I've been through, that gives me gratefulness for where I am. And then I think, well, if he's gotten me this far, then Mm -hmm. I I can praise him uh, for the the future. Um, (laughs) 
So I don't know. I think I make enough mistakes that I can stay humble all by myself. <laughs> I don't need many people poking oh. at me to do that. <laughs> uh, what I was going to say, that's so right on, Mary, is uh, God God uses a multitude of people. The Christmas story is, is one of team. There's Zachariah, there's Elizabeth, John the Baptist comes through them. There's Mary, there's Joseph. We'll, we'll talk about Joseph here in a couple of weeks. We'll uh, talk about Zachariah's redemption here this coming this coming Sunday. Bottom line for me is team is what keeps me humble. We all play a part, whatever that may be, big or small, in front or behind. Uh, that can flip flop later on, but oh, yeah. but bottom line, it's it's team. This is about us working together to point to God's son, whom we're celebrating in this season, Emmanuel, God with us. And that's what gets me excited, um, not only as we continue to look at this series, but also as we continue to do church together. So Mary, thank you for being a part of the team. You gave a strong word, very encouraging, and I'm looking forward to our next conversation. Thanks for listening to The Conversations Podcast. Be a part of the conversation by sending questions about the Sunday message directly from ccc.guide or by emailing conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Looking forward to the next conversation.